0: Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Today we are taking up the Beatitudes, starting with number one. Chapter five of Matthew verses one through 12 takes up all of Beatitudes. Today we're taking the one to the sinner. Blessed are the destitute in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. How can a sinner be blessed? Let's go to the Word of God and find out together.
1: For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible, and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. And so in chapter
0: four, we find out the need for Jesus to go to the mountain and to teach his disciples. And it's found in these verses. So look at Matthew chapter four. We're gonna take a look at verse 23 through 25. If you wanna find it in your Bibles, go ahead and do so. But again, welcome to those that are joining us for the first time today. We're glad to have you here today. And uh, maybe you haven't heard, you know, so much about us, but somebody might've told you just to tune in. And we're glad that you're here. Uh, I pastored for 33 years, and this is just, you know, what God has led me into. I'm a teacher of the word of God. In fact, I used to tell my congregation, I'm gonna treat you like Bible school students and you are gonna walk out of here smarter than when you came in. So that's what we're here to do is open up the word of God and show you what it simply has to say. We're glad to have you today. And so again, for those been watching for some time and for those been watching for years, again, I'm grateful to you because you are the great supporters of this broadcast. If you would like to become a partner with those group, that group of people and with me especially, Join my heart and join my ministry here by supporting it financially. See, finances put you in that place. If you send finances to a missionary in Africa, you are there with him because money puts you there. Therefore, that's why you share in the rewards in heaven for all that were saved during that time. You'll receive all the rewards that are gonna be given to me in heaven and God will disperse it among you too. I might think, well, I'm gonna get those rewards. God's gonna say, no, you get this part of it. And here's who gets the rest of it because they were the partners in your ministry. And if you'd like to become a partner with me, go to bobyandian.com. You'll find a place there on my website where you can become a partner. Glad you're about to join us and glad you are going to join us. Matthew chapter four, take a look at verse 23 through 25. Here, speaking of Jesus, he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria. They brought unto him all the sick and those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. When Jesus began his ministry here in Matthew 4, it started out with multitudes followed him. By the time we get to the end of chapter 4, now we have great multitudes, great crowds following him. And notice where they came from. It says they came from Galilee, Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond Jordan. And so Jesus was known in his own home area. And Jesus was also known in Syria. Jesus is known in his home country and then became known in Gentile countries. Notice what's mentioned here, that, he was, that his ministry went from Galilee, that's the economic culture of Israel, Decapolis, That's the Greek culture. So Greeks were following him. Jerusalem and Judea were the religious crowds. Notice this, even religious people followed him. And then beyond Jordan is the Arabic country. So this went beyond Israel. And I want you to notice something interesting. There was not one bit of advertising that happened and that brought all these people. It just simply said his fame spread. I can tell you how his fame spread, it's word of mouth. Let me just say something here about promoting your church. And again, I don't mind people, you know, I think it's great when you go on on Christian radio and and proclaim your church and all that, but just make sure you tell exactly what it is. And what I mean by that is don't, don't make your church sound like it's friendly, then you don't check your church to see if it's friendly. Because what happens here is you may get them in through advertising, but you're only gonna keep them by that personal contact. And this is what Jesus did. Jesus' fame spread, and the people that were healed, set free, and all that went out and told people, people in your church that are saved, healed, get their lives in order, hear the word of God, their life begins to make sense, their business begins to take off. The things that happen when a person becomes uh, not only a a Christian, but a disciple in the Lord, and the more they become a disciple, the more things start working out in their own personal life. Oh yeah, they'll have opposition, but they learn to handle that opposition. That's what causes the fame to spread. So really it comes down to it. The best type of advertising is word of mouth from satisfied people. And Jesus had exactly that. His fame spread without uh, without newspapers, without television, without radio, without uh, internet. All these things happen with Jesus' ministry as, again, the crowds begin to talk and the crowds begin to spread this around. And the word of mouth still today is still the best form of advertising where happy people and people that have been blessed and turned around, their lives turned around, tell other people about the church. This is Jesus' ministry. And great crowds eventually, and I mean within no time, great crowds followed him. I read a, a thing one time in, a, in a, uh, a book on the book of Matthew and simply described what happened. And it said that when it said multitudes followed him, that could be up to 10 to 15,000 people. When it says great multitudes followed him. We're talking about excess of 100,000 people at a time following Jesus. And so we find here, that's what happened. Now it says in verse 25, great multitudes, great crowds followed him from Galilee to capitalist Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Now we come to chapter five and we find that Jesus basically just got away from there. The crowds were so big that even he, in his humanity, even though he was the son of God, even though in his humanity, he was the son of God, God was his physical father, as well as God was the uh, one that he was the second member of the Godhead, which means he was under the father himself. But here we have the fact that Jesus came. And yet, even though he was God in the flesh, he there were still limitations on him. He had to sleep at night because he got tired. So tiredness is not a sin. He never committed a sin, but he did find the restrictions on his own personal life like we do. And he had to now start creating a team around him. Chapter five is Jesus, and, and literally five, six, and seven is Jesus training a team around him and the team were the disciples. And so here it's, it's gonna start out, Jesus is only gonna teach his disciples. And the reason why was because of these crowds. Look with me at Matthew chapter five. Again, in uh, that closing verse of chapter uh, four, the multitudes and followers are vast. So we come to chapter five and here, and through five through seven, Jesus prepares a team to handle the ministry. Let me just kind of give you a breakdown of this. Chapter five, six, and halfway through chapter seven, Jesus is teaching his disciples. But somewhere, halfway through chapter seven, the multitudes find him again, and he switches from teaching his disciples to teaching the crowd, and he goes to a simple salvation message and a simple discipleship message. And he simply says, which road are you on? Which gate are you headed toward? Are you on the narrow road, the wide road, the narrow gate, the wide gate? And he talks about the difference between the two. And uh, the narrow gate and the narrow road is the one that leads to salvation. And he said, there's few be that find it compared to those that reject it. Simply saying, more people will end up going on the broad road that leads to destruction into hell than those who find the gospel of Jesus Christ, except Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and walk down that narrow road that leads to eternal life. And then he goes from there talking about discipleship and talks about which foundation are you built on? Sand, or are you built on the rock? So the important thing to do is find out that your life is built on the rock. Let's take a look at Matthew chapter five. We're gonna take a look at verse one through 12 because this is where Jesus uh, teaches them the Beatitudes. He starts with the Beatitudes and beginning in verse one, it says, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain and when he sat down, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and taught them saying, I want you to notice that Jesus sat down. So he didn't always stand up for his sermons here. He sat down with his disciples and he taught them. He probably sat on a rock or something, but his disciples were around him. And notice in verse two, he opened his mouth and taught them, them, the disciples. When you see these pictures of the Sermon on the Mount with multitudes, understand that did happen, but not till toward the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, the last half of chapter seven. And when we find chapter 8 opening, it says he came down from the mountain and great multitudes followed him. They, they went everywhere to get him and they followed him wherever he was. And probably he, he snuck away with his disciples, but word of mouth, somebody saw him going up there with his disciples, told everybody, and pretty soon they all go up there and find him. So he opened his mouth in verse 2 and taught them saying, and now we begin the uh, Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You persecute you, say all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let me just give you kind of an outline of the Beatitudes. First of all, they are progressive, and they go from the new birth in verse 3 unto full spiritual maturity in verses 10 through 12. And each one of them starts out with this blessed, blessed. The Greek word is makarios, and it simply means fortunate. And so it simply says fortunate to each one of these things. And it's attached to each level of our Christian life and Christian growth in the grace and in the honor and in the growth of God. Next of all, these are not for the millennium. That There's been teaching that the Sermon on the Mount is all speaking about millennial things. And although there are things he brings out which will be present in the millennium, he's simply saying in this, you don't have to wait for the millennium to get these things. There's things available to you today. And sure, the fullness of it will be poured out in the millennium, but you can have it today and walk in it, such as the Holy Spirit. You know that verse that we talk about where Peter stood up and said, This was that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. And Joel was really predicting and prophesying of the introduction of the millennium. But now Peter says, no, this is this, this is that. And he's talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on believers, and that's going to happen worldwide one day when the only one present on the earth will be believers because all unbelievers will be cast off the earth. Right now, he's simply saying you can have You can have that poured out on you, which we poured out on the entire world at that time. You can have it today. And so again, the outpouring of the Spirit is something that will happen on a worldwide basis one day, but right now you can accept it. This is what's being taught here in these verses of scripture in the Beatitudes is you don't have to wait for that day to come where the meek shall inherit the earth. No, there's an inheritance for you on this earth right now if you are the meek one. So again, we come back to that and that's what these are. So again, these are progressive from the new birth verse three is starting off with the new birth and then the spiritual growth spiritual growth until you reach full maturity you're going to find out in the second one that there's going to come times of of things going wrong in life now that's true for sinners and saints so there's the natural things that go wrong but now you have someone to comfort you and stand beside you all the way down to verses 10 through 12 where we come into spiritual battle spiritual warfare when they say evil things about you falsely for my sake standing up to be a Christian and he says in that case it It takes maturity in the body of Christ, maturity to be able to handle it. And of course, what happens is God will not allow anything to come to you that you're not able to at the moment to withstand and take. So for those of you going through something right now and you think, what terrible thing have I done? I don't know if I can can come through this. The Bible says God will not allow things to come upon you that you cannot take and you cannot handle. He's simply saying, if you're facing something, you know what, you can handle it. You've come to a point, you can handle it. There's people going through worse things that you are. And there was times you didn't go through this bad a thing, but you know what, you have progressed, you have matured and you can handle that. So this is kind of the outline of the Beatitudes, the overall look of it. And when we come back from the break, we'll take up right
1: from here. In Psalm 11, we are warned, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Believers who wish to grow in Christ must understand the foundation of doctrines on which our faith is built. Doctrines are not difficult to understand, but they often come disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, even when the definitions are simple. In 32 audio lessons, Bobby Indian simplifies these doctrines that bring strength and stability to a believer's foundation. Topics include redemption, predestination, sanctification, unlimited atonement, the flesh, resurrection bodies, baptism, the infilling of the Spirit, and laying on of hands. This flash drive can be used with computers, MP3 players, smartphones, and tablets, as well as car stereos equipped with USB connection. To order Foundations, go to bobyandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Using straightforward vocabulary and down-to-earth examples, Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified, redemption, Justification, Sanctification, Reconciliation, Predestination, Election, Propitiation, and Glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. This understanding will allow you to walk in more maturity and stability in your Christian life. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership.
0: All right, let's take a look at the first Beatitude, verse 3. And So while you're looking at that There was a minister one time I heard and this guy was not super educated or anything like that, but he kept calling them the Bealtitudes. And uh, honestly, I mean, I stopped thinking about that and thought, well, well, actually it's true. Everyone's a step up higher. You start with the first step of the new birth and you get to that point where now you have someone to comfort you in the times of trouble. Go all the way through here, learning the word of God, growing in the word of God, being teachable to where you finally come to the point you can handle some of the worst opposition that Christians can possibly face. And so again, so maybe that that's all right. You wanna call it the B altitudes, that's fine with me. But let's start with this one first in verse three. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Again, the Greek word for blessed is makarios. It means fortunate. Notice this. He's speaking to sinners here. When we're talking about poor in spirit, the Greek word for poor actually means destitute. You have nothing and you have no way of getting out of this. And so this is referring to a sinner. And notice what it says. Fortunate is a sinner. Because why? Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Why is a sinner fortunate in this verse of scripture because the work of Jesus on the cross is the kingdom of heaven has already been provided for the destitute in spirit. Notice where that an unbeliever is destitute in his spirit, because his spirit is broken from God. It's actually been separated from God by the fall of Adam the infiltration of death and sin into this earth. So you're born in that condition, but it's simply saying here, wait a minute, you don't have to get yourself out of this. God has removed all self-effort from being saved. And all you have to do is come to him in simple faith because he paid the price for you. He opened the door for you. Here you are sitting in prison that that, uh, that uh, Adam put you into and Satan bound you in here. But Jesus came, opened up all the doors. All you have to do is just walk out. The dumbest, thing you can do is to be in prison and stay there. If the doors are all open, the first one, second one, all the way out through the wards, all the way out into the street, I'm simply here to tell you that's what happened with Peter in chapter 12 of the book of, of Acts is a prayer was made for him. And suddenly as the angel came and woke him up that night, he was gonna be killed the next day. And he stumbled around still trying to get himself because he was so into that sleep that the doors all opened up. And he simply walked out and got out the street. And the moment he got out there, the angel disappeared. And he suddenly realized he'd been delivered from prison. Well, I'm here to tell you you're sitting in a prison, but the doors stand wide open. You have been blessed by the Lord Jesus Christ. All you have to do is accept that blessing. That's why it says, blessed are the paupers, the destitute in spirit, why? Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He did this for you. All you have to do is accept it. So the first thing we start out was the simplicity of the new birth, that you are already blessed by what Jesus did on the cross. Just reach out and take the blessing. Don't turn away from it. The plan of salvation is so simple. The Bible says a fool couldn't err in it. You could be an idiot and still not miss this thing because it's designed. Jesus didn't make salvation to where, Only the wisest people and the smartest people and the PhDs could understand it. He made it to where anybody can understand it. And this is why the multitudes followed him because they were out of every kindred, tribe, tongue, nation. They were out of every kind of social background, educational background, all types of colors, male, female, young, old, because that's who Jesus died for. For God so loved the entire world that he gave Jesus Christ and you're part of that. And so the very first one here again is that when you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, you may be destitute, you may be, again, as this verse says, you're a pauper, there's nothing in you, but what Jesus did was he died for you, And why? Not because you deserve it, because he loves you. So again, the kingdom of heaven has already been provided for the destitute in spirit. These are the bankrupt sinners we're talking about here. The issue with the sinners is not their sins. If you're not saved today, that is not the issue keeping you from heaven. The one thing that's keeping you out is the one that's designed with your will to accept Jesus Christ. All the things you have committed, Jesus went to the cross and on the cross, he judged every one of those sins. So you'll never be judged for those sins. I don't care about, I mean, listen, I do care about adultery and and drug dealing and all that and prostitution and, and child slavery. All those things are terrible things, but Jesus, died for that in your life and holds you accountable for just one thing. One sin Jesus did not die for is rejection of himself. Look with me at John chapter 16 verses 8 and 9. And here Jesus is referring to the Holy Spirit when he sent to the earth. And he says in verse 8 and 9, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin singular and righteousness and judgment. Verse nine talks about this singular sin. This is the one thing he talks about that mankind is held accountable for. Here's the one sin that the Holy Spirit convicts of in verse nine concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. So the new birth is God's kingdom that has already been provided for you, that you simply accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So what's his verse saying? The sinner can rejoice. In what? The moment he hears the gospel, he understands how simple it is to get saved. When he accepts Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he realizes, I did this without any human effort. I did this without my own works. I did not have to be good to receive Jesus. I came just as I am, a fallen sinner, bankrupt, destitute in spirit. And yet I've come and Jesus Christ died for me. The whole plan of salvation has already been accomplished. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father with simply his hand held out to you, just simply saying, come on in. All you have to do is receive me. So the plan of salvation is simply brought out in Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10. And that is if you will confess with your mouth Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Just say it right now. Father, I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And then believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. He's alive today and will be alive forevermore. You can't say that about Buddha, he died. Can't say that about Muhammad, he died. Can't say that about Joseph Smith, he died. All the different ones you want to name, Jesus Christ is the only one that's still alive today and will be alive forevermore. When God raised him from the dead, he will never ever, even as a human being, ever die again. And right now in heaven, there is one mediator between God and man, the man. Christ Jesus so the sinner can rejoice. Why? Because all things needed for salvation have been provided except for one thing. You have to accept it. I mean, if you won the lottery, and all they told you was, all you have to do is come down here with your ticket that you purchased and claim it. You'd be stupid for saying, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to sit here in my chair and, and they're just going to have to come and deposit in my checking account. All this provi- all this, need- you, I mean, you have it right there in your hand. You've been waiting and you watch TV. All the ping pong balls went up that night on the TV screen and all five of your numbers came down in the order that's on your on your receipt and you've got it right there. All right. But you have to come and claim it. Jesus is simply saying to the entire world, you won, but you have to come and claim it. And the way you claim it is you don't have to come to church, although it's all right to accept Jesus in church. You don't have to come to a big crusade like a Billy Graham crusade, although that's fine, but you can do it in front of right there in your home. You can do it uh, sitting there in your chair or when you go to bed, you can just come and just open up your heart and say, Jesus, I receive you as the Lord of my life. I believe that you are God come to die for me in the flesh. That's that's confessing Jesus Christ as Lord with your mouth. And the next thing is that uh, you open up your life and receive him and that you tell God you raised him from the dead. You believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. If you do that, you are born again. That is simple as it is. Second Corinthians chapter five, verses 18 through 21 says this, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making this appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sakes, he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Notice what this verse says, is Jesus Christ went to the cross and reconciled God to man, but you have to reconcile yourself to him. You see, if the Bible says here that, that Jesus Christ reconciled us to God. Well, that's an important thing. And now we, God has been reconciled to us, but the point of it is, is that doesn't mean we're saved. We have to do the second part. God saved us on the cross, but we have to accept it. Now we have to be reconciled to him. So God did the first part and says, I've reconciled myself to you. Now you have to receive it. I've given the money. It's all set aside. You just won the lottery. You just won what Jesus did on the cross. He did it all for you. All you have to do is come and receive it. So that's our message. Our message is that God is not imputing their trespasses against them. Jesus died for that, went to the cross and died for the sins of the world But he's simply saying this, I've given you that same message. Once you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior and find out the simplicity of it, the reason why God left you on this earth is so that you can spread the gospel of reconciliation. Jesus Christ has been reconciled to God through the cross and has reconciled all mankind to God, but mankind must just simply receive it. So the good news is, is Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, but you have to come and receive it. In other words, get up and walk out of prison. The doors are wide open. And again, how nuts it would be to stay in a prison cell when the doors are all the way open out to the streets. And that's what God has done for you. This is what he did. Mankind has been reconciled to God through the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection. When Jesus arose from the dead, man, there is no way sin can ever have dominion over you if you accept him as Lord and Savior. Mankind now needs to be reconciled to God through faith. All people need to do is receive Jesus and become righteous. And this is what happens when you accept him as your Lord and Savior. I'm gonna pray with you for just a moment. If you're out there watching this broadcast and you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this first beatitude is for you. Blessed are the destitute in spirit. Why are you blessed? Because Jesus Christ has made righteousness available for you. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What he's simply saying is you ought to rejoice right now for the kingdom of heaven belongs to you. You just have to reach out and take it. Let me pray with you. And would you just simply pray pray this prayer in your heart? What I'm saying is don't just mouth it, mean it. And when you pray this with me, mean it before God. Close your eyes, say this with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I accept your son. Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. He died for me and he took my sins. I now open my heart and I receive him as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for taking away my sins. And now thank you for accepting me and making me a child of God. And Father, I'm so grateful that you raised Jesus Christ from the dead just for me. Thank you. I want you to understand by that simple prayer that you have just prayed, you have now become a child of God. Would you let us know? Text us, let us know. Go to my website. You'll find a place where you can text us and let us know that you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Because I'm here to tell you right now, the Bible says for everyone that repents, comes to Jesus Christ, the angels rejoice in heaven. And I want you to know I've just joined with the angels in rejoicing over you that have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Well, have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow.
1: You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen.